Well, fundamentally, turnkey means you have a service provider that is either building properties for the purpose of renting them. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Where Should I Invest? I am Sarah Larby, and today's guest is Dr. Axel Mayhofer from San Diego, California, who owns 10 properties in the Mid-South and Midwest USA. And for him, it all began in 2011 when he wasn't able to sell his own house and decided to become a landlord. And then he's turned to recently some really cool turnkey projects in various areas such as Ohio and more recently Alabama. And so what Axel does is he buys properties that are renovated by a company and they're all set up to cash flow from day one, also known as turnkey properties. And so he mentors aspiring investors on how to work with turnkey providers and optimize their investment dollars along the way. Obviously, mindset is a huge game changer. And Axel has worked a lot to create the journey, the time freedom, and being able to live his life on his terms, how he wants, with who he wants, where he wants. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. We're going to learn a lot about real estate investing uh, in the US, the 1% rule, and a lot of additional things about turnkey properties. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And if you are wanting to come out to a live meeting October 6th in Markham, we have a really awesome meeting with a a lot of, of great content, but also very cool is we actually have a real estate investor who's also a comedian and he's going to be doing some really cool comedy. There's going to be some food, some drinks, some networking, and we're going to talk about real estate. So if you guys are interested, send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com, and I can send you more information about that. And I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast. Axel, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, I have tons of questions for you and I wanted to congratulate you as well for, uh, for your accomplishments in investing in real estate uh, since, uh, since the start. Maybe give us a little bit of, of a background on, on who you are, how you got started in real estate and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm Axel Mayer. I'm the founder of Idea Wealth Grower. And how did we get here is basically because I started my consulting business in 2005 and was looking at what do you do as a business owner to, uh, owner to build any kind of form of retirement and keeping in mind that in 2003, we had this big dot com crash, so stock market didn't really seem to be the place to go. So I did more and more research and, and realized, okay, real estate seems to be a good place. And as I kept researching, um, it became more and more refined, I found bigger pockets and other things like that. And ultimately, began investing myself. And one thing that was very obvious from the get go is we used to live in, uh, in the Santa Barbara area. Now we're living in the San Diego area, but either one pretty much up and down West Coast, East Coast, some of the more expensive areas, you just don't get performance. Right. Especially when you say I want it for retirement, meaning I want passive income. So that's when I started to look into this whole space of turnkey investing and started doing it. And here we are now, uh, almost 10 properties. Very good. So 10 properties later, what was the timeline? Like when, how long ago did you start investing? 
Well, we it basically started in 2011 because uh, we, like I said, were in, had this house in Santa Barbara and we had originally planned to sell it. But as everybody who lived through the financial crisis can uh, relate, that wasn't a time to sell, right? So we basically became landlords because of the circumstances. And from then, a few years later, we did a big 1031 exchange to take the equity that had accumulated in that property and got it into well-performing cash flowing properties. Awesome. So it, so it sounds to me like you're, you're, you've bought some turnkey properties. Are these in, in the Mid-South or are these you know, some in, a different, in a different state? Where are these turnkey properties that you've invested in? Yeah, so... I didn't want to put everything in the same location. So um, we started out with one turnkey provider. I always call them West of Chicago. It's uh, an area called the Quad Cities that is a well-performing area. And then the second one is in Ohio, uh, in the Dayton, Cincinnati area. And we just this year started uh, with a third one in Alabama. So it's kind of Midwest and Mid-South. <laughs> That's cool. You know what? I don't think we've talked much because we're in Canada and a lot of listeners listening to this, I would say, you know, 80% of my listeners, uh, maybe a little bit more now, uh, are Canadian. And mm-hmm. so, you know, sometimes they're investing in the US, sometimes they're investing in Canada, you know, and, and I would say mostly Canada. But, but you talked about, um, you know, I think an interesting concept of this, this turnkey rental opportunity. Um, and, you know, and you're, you're enjoying the sun and you're, and you're looking to likely not create a whole other job. What is a turnkey property for people that might not know? Well, fundamentally, turnkey means you have a service provider that is either building properties for the purpose of renting them or is basically renovating properties for the purpose of renting them. That was at least what I would say originally the idea and the turnkey component, why even the word turnkey was that they did everything to the point of sale so that basically it's almost like you're buying a new house, you get the key in the hand and you're good to go and you can do your thing. What has happened over the years, what I found is that this term got assigned to many, many more things that in my book, at least, don't really quite deserve this term turnkey anymore. So for me, one of the biggest, most important criteria that I always say is even before you go into anything else is to say the organization, like those three turnkey providers we touched on just a minute ago, do they meet the core criteria? And for me, the core criteria is they need to find the property that they want to renovate. I always call it, uh, oftentimes call it the ugly duckling in a nice neighborhood, you know, like a B or C plus neighborhood. They find it, they come up with a statement of work, they renovate it, then they put a price on it. And this is maybe interesting for your um, audience as well. It's basically for you and me to buy from them, it's like a sale by owner. So there's no real estate agents or anything like that in place. And there's also no fees uh, uh, accordingly. So they put a price on it, but they need to be aware enough in their market about the price so that when the property gets appraised, which we want because we want to use leverage for financing, it meets or the appraisal meets or exceeds that price. And here comes the really important part because that or that is not that uncommon with a lot of companies. The really next important part and crucial in my view is that they are the same organization that's gonna do the property management, meaning finding the tenant, collecting the rent, sending it to you, being on the phone when the tenant calls and says, hey, I have a water leak or something like that. And there are very important dynamics. I mean, Sarah, if you think about it, if somebody were to say, you do something that you sell and you never see it again, 
it's a different mindset and dynamic than saying, Sarah, we want you to fix this up. And then later, you're going to be the one who fixes everything that breaks. Well, you're going to fix it up in a way that it doesn't break. So you don't get these phone calls, right? So from that perspective, that's the crucial thing. I call that all under one roof. And that for me is the first thing. And the second, almost on equal, as far as the investing side goes, is do the properties actually perform? Right. Mm -hmm. So you right. find a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollar property. I always apply as a first glance uh, the one percent rule. So if I buy a hundred thousand dollar property, do I collect a thousand dollars rent a month? Or hundred fifty thousand dollars? Can I get up to a fifteen hundred dollars rent a month? When that is yes, and these other criteria I just mentioned fall into place in B and C plus area neighborhoods then we're kind of off to the races so to speak and now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors hey everyone i just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well by working with streetwise mortgages i took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently, they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it, you know, it sounds like it's, it's quite hands-off as you're describing the renovations. I mean, I do the burst strategy, so I buy, renovate, rent, refinance, right. repeat. You know, I, I mean, I don't get my hands dirty per se, but I manage a lot of the, the contractors and the, and the renos and it, it's a strategy that, that works for me, but long distance wise, if I were to invest in the U S it sounds like a great opportunity, especially if you're a, you want to be more hands-off, um, but B, if, if you need to invest in markets that make more sense, right? Maybe you don't live in, in markets that will be conducive to the 1% rule, like you mentioned. So obviously there's, I think, some better turnkey providers than others. What are some of the criteria? I mean, it sounds like you're working with three different markets. I don't know if they're three different providers altogether, yes. but what are some criteria that, you know, somebody looking to, to invest with a turnkey provider should be looking at and considering before giving them the money for? Yeah, so one of the things, or there's a, couple, a whole list of things, like one thing that I found to be an important point after those criteria that I already mentioned would be, how well is the transition from selling to managing actually happening? Like the turnkey providers that, that we are using, each one of those, I think would say are exceptionally good in that handover. It's literally like the one in Ohio that I would probably call my current favorite or something like that. Um, the director of the property management and the director of sales and the director of property acquisition meet once a week, literally in the same room, right? So they know about the properties. They know when somebody like me who already has a portfolio and not just one property, what am I looking for? And when the acquisition guy 
has a number of new properties for next month that they're going to go into the renovation phase to say, okay, who of our investors does the sales guy know or the uh, director of, of management know that would be a perfect match, right? Instead of basically leaving everything open. So that's one area. The other area that I found to be really enjoyable from a hands-off passive investing point of view is if they have their stuff together with the title company, right? Because I, if I would turn the camera a little bit, you would see like nice little binders from the Ohio guys that you get for each time you finish a purchase, they send you a nice binder with the property and pictures and the closing statement, all that kind of stuff. They really have their stuff together. And then in my case, I'm a big proponent to use and work with a nationwide lender or try to keep your lending in, in as few hands as possible so you don't have to go through this painful process of qualifying all the time. And I wanted to take the opportunity having this um, podcast with you that I have now also for some people that contact me found a way to actually allow financing for non-residents and non-citizens at a 70% loan to value, okay. which, which is, I'm pretty proud of that because uh, most of the time it's 50% or something like that. And the less leverage, especially with these low interest rates that you have, um, the less performing the deal basically is right so yeah. so are you are you saying 70 percent loan to value for a canadian having to put 30 percent? i yeah. mean this is us dollars we're talking about 30 percent down right. on the first property because i know that it's easier once you've got a company created and that and you've got you know six to nine months but you, you're you're saying 70 percent loan to value on the first deal right yeah that's pretty good yeah, and that has just recently come back. It used to exist before, and then we got into like financial crisis and pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And I've always stayed in touch with the people who offer these kind of things and, and finally found one that basically reopened the door. And, and I think that makes sense. I mean, the one thing that is always a little bit more of a tricky thing, not so much for Canadians, but for international investors in general, is basically what we call in the US a background check, right? Here, it's relatively easy to do. There are all kinds of companies. It's like 99 bucks or something like that. But for foreigners, it's a little harder because it, the um, background information is not quite that um, easily accessible and therefore it can be a little bit more expensive. But overall, I mean, those are the kinds of things, you know, like having a good lender that you can depend on so you don't have to go through this. My approach is always not just for myself, but also for people who contact me through Idea Wealth Grow and say, okay, can you help us? We want to do kind of similar to what you've been doing or have, are doing is to have these core relationships to insurance, to lending, to the turnkey providers um, in place so that you can really mainly focus on whenever I'm ready to do the next purchase, I focus on that. And all the other stuff is pretty much running in the background. You know. All right. That, that's really cool. And I mean, you mentioned Ideal Wealth Grower. So is that, you know, that's, that's your company, you're, you're the founder of that. So is that some, something that you, you essentially work with people to find all of those, those, uh, those folks and, and get them set up? But what, what is, you know, what is the concept behind Ideal Wealth Grower? Well, the concept is basically, if you think of me and my team as mentoring, if you were to come and say, okay, well, this all sounds really interesting, but who are these turnkey providers? Where do I get the insurance that is really favorable for a uh, real estate investor? How can I get access to this lender that is either, if you're Canadian, uh, lending to foreigners or 
to a nationwide lender. So I don't have for every state or every property that is even over the state line, like I mentioned west of Chicago, it's called Quad Cities, but it's also three states. And they're literally the bridges you can within five miles go from one to the next. Same thing happens in some places on the East Coast. So you want to have a lender who can lend to you regardless which state it is, right? So it, it doesn't really matter. They know all the rules and they make sure that all the forms are filled out. But fundamentally to you, again, it's as hands off. So the concept of Idea Wealth Grower is basically to say, we mentor you if you want the handholding to go from where you are to what I call your time freedom point, or you can access all the information we're putting out in blog articles, in YouTube videos, in Instagram posts, and kind of educate yourself that way. And so the, um, that's one thing. The other part that I find oftentimes, and I actually even wrote a, a manual for it, uh, that people need to get their mindset in the right place. Right? I, I wrote in the manual that there are a lot of people who see themselves as victims of the circumstances, right? the environment or the money or the job or the bank or uh, you name it, all kinds of things that give this feeling of I'm the victim. And what I'm trying to help with the manual and the exercises and stuff like that to say, how can you get yourself in a creator mindset where you're creating your future, you're going on this journey. And just to come back to that, the time freedom point is literally to say, if I look currently where I am and I know or can determine how much it costs me to live my life, then I can also say my passive income needs to reach or slightly exceed that number per month. So I don't need to trade time for money anymore. Right? And when you reach that point, you have the freedom to do with your time, whatever you want. Now that doesn't mean you can't have a job. If you love it, if you love what you're doing, Sarah, you would keep doing it. Right. But same with me, I would still want to help people get into investing and do more investing, but some other things, you know, some people do jobs for a long time that they just do to make money. Well, that is really the freeing part. If you get to this passive income number, that I call the time freedom point. And there is a journey to get there and everybody's journey is somewhat individual. And that's why we basically apply this mentoring approach to first say, where are you right now? What are your circumstances? What's your time freedom point number? And then how can we help you to get there? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? 
They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, give us a call or text at 905-592-4220, or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah, no, that, that's really important, right? Because then that way you're not just buying and acquiring just because you want another deal. You're strategically likely looking at these properties and saying, does this meet my plan? Does it meet my goal? Does this have the cash flow that I'm looking for? And you can create a whole plan around that because I see a lot of investors that are just buying these properties you know, not any of my students, but a lot of investors are buying these properties that just don't cash flow and they're, you know, in, in, in some of these big cities and they're paying out of pocket three, four, five hundred dollars a month just to have a tenant, you know, cover a portion of the bills and, and not yeah, exactly. more. Well, and that's why I, I find the term or the word purpose is so important. Right. You said earlier that the way you go about it for yourself is using the burst strategy, finding properties, flipping them and so mm-hmm. forth. But then this purpose is still important to attach. Right? If somebody says, I live in an area where I can get the performance, so I oversee the renovation of the property, then I put a tenant in, I get even more cash flow than Axel would get. Cool. Right. If on the other hand, you look in the market right now and you say, okay, at least in the US it's pretty crazy because there's no inventory. Right. So you're doing this, but you can ultimately not really get a reasonable price to value ratio, then I would say, well, is that really the right strategy? Right. A lot of people come to me and say, all right, I see these prices rapidly running away. Should I stay on the sideline or is it too late or anything like that? And I say, hold it, hold it, hold it. You are talking about an appreciation game. What I'm proposing is a cash flow game to get to your time freedom point. In theory, as long as you can say, okay, I meet the 1% rule, like we said at the start, it almost doesn't matter how much the property costs. Now, there is a natural point, right? Like if you say, okay, I'm in Vancouver and and I need to pay $600,000 for a property, will you really find consistently somebody who pays you $6,000 rent a month? Probably not, right? So, but that's a a natural barrier in those Midwestern or Mid-South markets, 100 to 200 is kind of like the, the sweet spot of the cost of the properties. And for a nice, nice three-bedroom, two-bath or four-bedroom, two-bath house, it's not unreasonable to say it costs you between 1000 2000 a month. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely more ability to get the 1% rule in the US versus Canada. And I can't speak for all of Canada, but you know, I'm in Ontario specifically. If we get like 0.8, that's not horrible either. To get the 1%, you're likely not getting that in a single family. So you've got to do something, whether it's a, you know, another unit in the basement or, you know, taking one of the units or two, both units and doing more of like a short-term rental. So there's definitely strategies that you, you can get right. there depending on how hands-on you want to be and how much management you want to do as well along the way. But, but it, it you know, and again, there's, you know, student rentals that you could, you could likely get that 1% for, or <laughs> you go invest in the U S where the appreciation may not be from, I'm just generalizing here. I'm sure there's some, some outliers in terms of markets, but the appreciation, like for example, in Ontario is, you know, insane. Even if we look at the last 10 years, this year aside, because there's a shortage and it sounds like there is in the U S too, but, a, but a property, sometimes properties that are in the U S you know, five years later, they might be 
exactly the same price as five years ago, but you've got the, the higher cash flow. So I think it's just important just to go back to what you were saying, just to, to look at, you know, the goals and look at, you know, the, the strategy and plan from there because, and, and I think it's, it's good to have a little bit of, of both in, you know, both cash flow and appreciation opportunities, but that's, that's my, my personal standpoint. I do want to go back to, you talked about the 1031 exchange and lending and that kind of stuff. And, you know, our, our lending practices in Canada are quite, quite different than in the U S and, and unfortunately we don't have 1031 exchanges, but for anybody that's listening to this, I think it's a really cool concept. Can you just cover what, what that is exactly? Yeah, it's basically 1031 is as strange and crazy as it may sound. It's literally a paragraph in the U.S. tax code. It literally means paragraph 1031. But what, what the content really means is to say, okay, the government, in, in I like to explain it this way. If you go to something called Maslow's Pyramid of Needs or Hierarchy of Needs, the fundamental thing that this psychologist established is what people really need as a very minimum is safety, shelter, and food, right? So safety, you would have the military food is basically grocery store and shelter is however, wherever you live. Now, if you then go one step further and say, okay, who could actually provide that? It could either be the private sector or the government, right? And so recognizing fundamentally in the US the government recognized we cannot, for anybody who doesn't want to own a property, provide shelter, meaning like rental space for everyone. On the other hand, there needs to be some incentive for people to be willing to do this with their own money, basically, quote unquote, helping the government. And the incentive is to say, okay, if you have a property currently, let's say you have a, a property in, in Seattle, not too far away, right? So, um, and you have that property rented, and this property appreciated, let's just say by $50,000 or $100,000. On the one hand, the government could say, yeah, we want to collect taxes on this gain. But then you and I would say, well, if you're collecting taxes on it, then I have to wonder every single time I sell a property, do I want to do it again? Right? And so the government said, well, if you are willing to sell a property and exchange it for another property or several other properties that have the same purpose, meaning like you have one that you sell and you buy three new ones or four new ones, you know, in the Midwest, for example, that you rent, then the government said, here's the incentive by you being willing to do this, we are foregoing the collection of the tax. And so you can exchange it and exchange it and exchange it over and over and over again. And you can theoretically exchange it all the way till you die. And then your heirs don't have to pay the tax either. They get a, what's called a reset. Right? Because as long as they are willing to keep going, they're basically providing a service that otherwise would have to be provided by the government. So this whole exchange is you have one or more properties that you sell and exchange them into similar properties that you rent again. Make I think there's a, a timeline, right? And you've got to exchange it for something of equal or higher value. And is it, what's the timeline? Is it 90 days or 120 days or something that you've got to do? Well, transaction in? Yeah, there are a couple of rules associated with it. So from the day that you know you're selling, you have 45 days to say, I know I want to take this one property, like in my case in Santa Barbara and buy four properties in Ohio. And to be on the safe side, you probably identify six because you never know if all four will be available. So you do that in the first 45 days. And then you have a total of 180 days from the day you sell your original property to close on the other properties, which is kind of cool in a turnkey sense because you can identify them already when they're just starting renovation and then you get them renovated as long as they're done six months later. 
yeah. you're good to go and you can close on them. The value thing is there are two things. There is like for like exchange, which means you have like a single family property and you buy another single for, uh, family property in another market and you can buy one basically at equal value and don't have to pay any kind of capital gains tax. The other one is called the 200%. So if you say, okay, I have a property that I sold for $500,000 and it was, let's just for sake of argument, say it was paid off. Now you have 500,000 equity. If you buy five 100,000 or eight 100,000 properties that you are financing, as long as you don't go up above 200%, which would mean you can buy additional new properties up to a million dollars or just below, and you stay within that 200% rule. So that is the more likely case that somebody has something, sells it, has some equity in it, and then gets two or three or four properties at a time to really kind of put some leverage and some velocity in the money that is being invested. That is, that is so smart. And I really wish that we had this in Canada, but essentially for now, and I'm not an accountant either, but for now, only our primary residence is, is tax free when we sell it for now. But then every single investment property is actually capital gains taxed and at our marginal tax rate, or if it's in a corporation, it might be a little bit different, but I, I don't know if like this is creating even more of a problem, but for me, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to sell any properties. I'm going to refinance them and I'm going to take that money tax deferred. Why sell and pay, you know, a huge chunk to the government? So I, I think almost like you guys have it figured out a little bit better in the U.S. where you're actually incentivizing the investors to, to go ahead and acquire versus taxing us, us on every sale. I don't I, like it just makes me want to just not sell anything. And I don't know what's going to happen at the end. Maybe I'll just pass away and we'll figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but oh, yeah. you, you're, just, you're just going to turn it over to your heirs then. Yeah. You well, know. But, I mean, I mean the point... there's taxes on that too, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. But there's a, in, at least here in the U S there's a pretty large amount that you can inherit before you actually have to pay taxes on it. The thing is um, what, you know, if somebody were in a similar situation, like you were just describing for Canada, there is probably a little bit more of a balance to be looked for uh, between appreciation and cash flow, right? Because if you have at least a little bit of appreciation and a nice cash flow happening, then you can every so often either refi or something that we're using here is called a home equity line of credit, where you can basically get a line of credit, use that money to basically make a down payment on the next yeah. property. And so you're building... I call that like a domino effect, right? You start with one and it gets the next one and the next one and the next one. And they all originate to some extent from the first one and then two appreciate a little bit and you get a HELOC and exactly. the next two appreciate and so forth. Ultimately, it still gets you to a passive income. And I'm not saying that the properties I own or our clients own don't appreciate. It's just not the main focus. Yeah. Right? If your um, only focus is appreciation, you say, oh, I don't mind putting $500 a month in. If it appreciates 100000 a year, then those 500 a month is no problem. Well, if that appreciation for whatever reason suddenly doesn't happen, then you're screwed, right? And so yeah. that's that's really why I keep saying, you know, it's important to know what the purpose of your investing is. And um like you said, you know, like keeping them is anyway much very well aligned with what I'm always saying, especially because in the long term, right, we're looking to some extent, I think, too much at the starting situation, right? I need to have $20,000 or $30,000. I get my $100,000 property, $70,000 loan on it, and what's the cash flow, blah, blah, blah. 
I always say, well, that's great. And we need to look at that to get the starting point. But you should also realize when you reach your time freedom point where your four or $5,000 a month come in, now you have 10, 12, 15 properties. And most likely just by, by probability, every year, let's say a third of them need a new lease agreement. Well, and you probably increase the rent by $50, even if you, you're a nice landlady and you only do $50 a month increase. Well, actually, that actually unfortunately, where we invest in Ontario, the government, if you have anything that was built before 2018, the government dictates how much you can increase okay. it. In this year, right. I was saying Edmonton, like different markets have different things. But I, 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 so for me, I love when my tenants are like in and out. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want lifers like two years. This is for Ontario. Every market's going to be different. But I get where you're coming from. I, w- I would love to be in a state where I can increase rents to market. You know, right. And- but I mean, whether you do it through turnover or you do it by government addict, what I was getting at is if you get to a point where you have 10 or 15 properties, mm-hmm. even small incremental increases year over year, mm-hmm. will pretty much 100% to your passive income. Right. So when yeah. you're saying I reached my time freedom point, it's $4,000 just for the sake of argument. Right. And you have your 10 properties and half of them increase, whatever the exact circumstances of the increase are by, let's say, $300 together. Well, now you have 4,300. And mm-hmm. next year, when the other five get renewed, whichever way, now you have 4,600. So it's really interesting and I think important to realize you're not just doing this to reach this one point with this one number, but the situation typically gets better because your cost doesn't really significantly increase while your cash flow has the opportunity, whether you put new tenants in or you have a state or a city where you can increase it two or 3% a year. Yeah. Whatever the, but that's something important to know because oftentimes people tell me, yeah, so if I reach that time freedom point, what happens after that? And my answer is always life only gets better after that. <laughs> well, and that's why they say it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market, right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, exactly. And, and those increases that you can do every year. I mean, for, for where I live, when I have a tenant that leaves, I mean, in a matter of two, three years, just because of, of the like lack of inventory for rentals as well, I could have a tenant leave and then up it 300 bucks. For yeah, exactly. Tenant, right. Every right, so, Yeah. So you had to wait a little, but then you get the money too. And on top of that, the tenants over time, if you go to this time in the market, there comes a point after your time freedom point where one after the next of those dominoes is going to be paid off. Mm-hmm. And then it gets really good. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like, like you, I, you know, I think we're, we're both uh, big believers of, of real estates, you know, being a, a key attribute. Um, but other than real estate, like, are you, are you coaching? Are you uh, talking to your, your investors and other people that will, will come to you for, for some advice on diversifying into different types of assets? Yes, to an extent, although I would say I'm probably pretty conservative, right? Like, so I have um, some precious metals that I'm advising people to have, especially because I still believe that the the best times are still ahead of us for that. Um, I think Canadians can kind of relate to that anyway, (laughs) from from where a lot of gold and silver and stuff comes from. Um, So that is one area. And then the other thing is really... um, not so much the asset itself, but really a little bit more in-depth risk management, right? To say, okay, well, you know, what's my age right now and what's my horizon? If you are in your 30s, early 40s, and let's just say some like Ray Dalio and some of these other pundits are correct with this massive market crash that they're uh, advertising, 
okay, if that, let's just say that were to happen, right? And you're 38 years old and it takes 10 years to recover, which would be pretty pessimistic view. Well, then you're 48. You're still good to go, right? But if you are, let's say, above 50 and you are significantly invested in the stock market, I would say, well, let's talk about that. What actually are you planning to do? Or do you at least have a balance where you can say, if A happens, this part of my portfolio suffers, but this other part will benefit so I can get it and keep it in balance, right? So there is a little bit of an arc that people should look at and that I advise them on not be, not claiming to be a stock market expert or like a precious metals expert, but I believe I've gotten pretty good in risk analysis and risk management. And there's, I think we both would agree we have certain biases, right? If somebody tells me, okay, should I do a syndication or a single family home? I guess you and I would say, don't do a syndication, not because it's bad, but you don't have nearly the amount of control that you have in a, in a single property. Yeah, absolutely. The control to sell, the control to refinance, the control to increase yeah. the, the rents for more cash flow and, point, and everything, returns yeah. are better than what an, a syndication would pay. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, when you, when you talk to people and they say, well, what other options do I have there for like relatively hands off? Yeah, right? yeah. Syndication comes up, um, crowdfunding comes up, these kind of things. And I always believe when you're in the business, and I think we're both in a similar um, space in that sense, is people come and say, I hear that you're doing something successfully. I'm kind of interested in this success, but I also like to understand, is this the one and only way to do it, right? And so I always try to keep a little bit more of the broader spectrum I did today. I mean, it's kind of like coincidental. I did today my very first in my life clubhouse session. Oh, right, cool. and, and deliberately invited people from different, like from from um, commercial investing, from syndication investing, and so forth. So everybody has a little bit of an opportunity to explain their bias, and let the listeners and and um, guests basically hear why are people doing these different things and what are their motivations. And I think everybody has credible reasons. Right, you just need to figure out what is the right thing for you in your circumstance and where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's really well said. Thanks. I mean, we can keep talking about this. I mean, there's <laughs> tons of interesting things, but, but you are a doctor. Yeah. What's, your, what's your PhD in? Uh, my PhD is in leadership and organizational change. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations on that. Congratulations on your, on your success as well. And we'll have to have you back at some point in the future. But the, the next part of the podcast, Axel, is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Right now, I would say The Wealthy Gardener from John Sephoric. I really like that. And you see that in the background somewhere. <laughs> ah, very nice. Okay, good. Question number two. I don't know if you listen to podcasts and this does not have to be real estate specific, but do you have a favorite podcast? Besides yours, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one that I really like is uh, the um, Get Rich Education from Keith Weinhold. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I actually learned real estate listening to him back in the day as well. He's, yeah. uh, he's got a good podcast. Number three, Axel, what do you do for fun aside from work in real estate? 
I like gardening. It's kind of, you know, like, yes, we're idea wealth grower and the grower is also meant a little literally because I really like to grow stuff. And especially with the pandemic, um, we tried a whole bunch of things and it's always enjoyable to pick something from your own backyard and consume it, you know. That's good. So you'll uh, you'll be able to self-sustain if something were to happen <laughs> while yeah, somebody not, like we're me not, <laughs> not quite will probably die. Yeah, we're not quite homestead level, but we, we have a few nice little things. And in our area, I mean, there is no winter, right? We can grow all the time. You are lucky. Awesome. That sounds good. Question number four, if you lost all of your assets and your money tomorrow, how would you start again? I would sell myself more expensive so I could invest faster and sooner. Okay. All right. Good. And last question, number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? Get two cash flowing properties, turnkey, ideally, so you can really get performance. Okay. All right. Awesome. Axel, where can my listeners reach out and find out more about you? Well, idealwealthgrower.com, just go to the website, but also you can put idealwealthgrower into Google and you see Instagram, YouTube, all these different things. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, you just put Axel at idealwealthgrower.com and it comes right to me. Perfect. And that's idealwealthgrower.com. Exactly. And this is the last final questions. I always ask all of my guests, what is the final last words of advice for my audience that you might have? I would say never tell yourself that you don't have enough to get started. All right. Great advice. Thank you so much. And cute dog in the background, by the way, as well. (laughs) He heard you. He wanted to check out who is talking there. (laughs) That's funny. Axel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons, and at the time, they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away, and eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that, and the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked, and also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.